Hey, good morning, leaders. It is another episode of Leveling Up with Brigham Black. I'm so grateful to have you guys on here. Remember to like and subscribe if this message connects with you. We are going to be diving in this method of crowd. You're like, crowd, what are we talking about? You got to stay in all the way to the end to find out. But we're going to be talking with my good friend and also my dietitian and this guy that just knows his stuff. He's a biomechanics expert with uh, with health and wellness, Gunther Klaus. He's he's my good friend now. He's been helping me lose some weight. I'm already 15 pounds down, so like, he knows his stuff. And he's done this not just for a couple of people. He's done it for, for people all over this nation. I'm really grateful to have him on today. And he's going to be talking a little bit of his methodology, his background, his stories, his experiences. And it's something that you may have never heard before, but it's something that you're you're going to absolutely be grateful that you are on today. So welcome, Gunther. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you come to this point in your, your coaching? I just want to hear your background. Tell me a little bit about your, your origin story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on here. So I... I've been involved in fitness in some way, shape, or form my entire life, and I've always been on kind of a mission, selfishly, to improve my own fitness capacities, Um, and so that's sort of shaped and shifted uh, uh, many different ways to bring me to where I am now, which is kind of a biomechanics specialist and somebody who cares greatly about helping people work smarter to go harder, and um, I've been a personal trainer for just over a decade now. I have coached CrossFit. I have created my own sort of um, offerings within the CrossFit space. And here we are today. I am an online coach. And so I help people kind of create full programs for their health and fitness, whether they're brand new or seasoned athletes competing at a very high level. Nice. So with with this drive of helping people learn how to move more functionally, being able to work smarter so that they can go harder not so that they can't go harder i i love this this idea that you you bring up about how to crowd out things with like bad things with uh with making sure that you're eating healthy you're doing good and that's really where i came up with this idea for this podcast and this topic that's broken up into a couple different sections but talk to us about the the overarching idea of the crowd out method and then we'll dive in deeper with some other topics within that. But the crowd out method, tell, tell them why that's so important in fitness sure. and, and in business. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually stole this from an RD years ago, a registered dietitian. Um, and this is, I think, a common thing in their world. It's it's called the crowd out method. And, and when it applies to nutrition, it's very simple. It's eat so much of the good stuff that you're crowding out the room in your stomach and you have no more space for the bad stuff. Right. Um, and I say good stuff and bad stuff because <laughs> I'm also a big proponent of not demonizing foods and certain things, right? Everything can be used to our advantage and everything, including water, can kill us. So <laughs> it's it's not good or bad. But um, yeah, this this kind of notion applies to all different aspects of life, right? You can focus on so much of the good that you leave no space for the bad. You can stay so positively um, attuned in your, in your own experience that you're not really having, allowing yourself time to be negative. You can, you can utilize this principle for everything, right? Um, crowding out, I think in, in business, probably the main thing would be taking up so much of your space with, you know, the things that are 
going to behoove you going to add to one mission rather than allowing a bunch of other stuff in. So I think actually that would probably be inverse. You'd be crowding out by saying no as often as possible, right? So it is- Schedule your energy with what you want rather than what you don't. Yeah, it's all about just focusing on the positive rather than the negative. And um, the last thing I'll say to that is just, it is kind of a profoundly simple concept because so many people get stuck in focusing on what they should not be doing right? Especially in, in health and fitness. Um, well, with, with regards to nutrition specifically, and then it just becomes this, like the grass is greener and, and, uh, what's the, the phrase, um, basically you just, you want what you can't have. Right. And, and so then you start to crave more of the things that you shouldn't be having, et cetera. So crowd it out, focus on the positive and then let it do its, let us do its job. I love that. Now, this is the the overarching theme to crowd out the, the bad with focusing on the good. And as we're diving in uh, with some of these ideas, uh, we have a couple topics to, to really explore. So this first one with this crowd out method is create space in the right place. Mm-hmm. Gunther, this is such a profound idea. But I want to to really explore it with you. So talk to us about why, why we came up with this together. So create space in the right place. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, it's a kind of a tagline that I that I use often. Um, and I am specifically utilizing that tagline for understanding joint mechanics and, and how the body moves. Yeah. And so a lot of people, I, I uh, let me back up and not even say a lot of people, every single human being is is asymmetrical. And every single human being is going to find a strategy to accomplish whatever tasks that they are kind of imposing a demand on for the body. So in, in layman's terms, the people that sit all day long are asking their body to get good at sitting and their body's going to adapt and get good at sitting. And the people who are going to CrossFit and doing crazy barbell lifts are, are demanding that their body adapts to, to being able to do that as efficiently and safely as possible. And what ends up happening, whether you're at one end of the spectrum or the other, is you start to lose space in certain joints. Your body will kind of utilize muscular systems to close down one area and open up another. I'm, I'm using very layman term, terminology here to just simplify this concept. But you know, some of your muscles will be short and tight. Some of them will be long and tight. And they don't really want to move because they're trying to create stability. And so that can be looked at as a place of no space. It's compressed. It's locked up, right? That joint is locked up. So we need to create space in the right joint in order for the rest of the body to move the way it's supposed to. And that's, that's really where this comes from. Create space in the right place. It's just like crowd out method, right? It's, it came from somewhere, but it can be applied to anything. Create space in the right place, create enough space in your life for your family, enough space in your life for your fitness, enough space in your life for your work. Um, and identify where specifically you need more space, right? And kind of honor that because it's not just about, you don't have unlimited space, wish you did. <laughs> so we get specific on creating it in the right place in your life. I love this. And one of the things that I think this concept of creating space in the right place is is focusing on what, what you want rather than what you don't. What is mm-hmm. your desired outcome? What What in your business are you trying to accomplish? Right. And when you create space in your calendar to say, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to expand what I want so that I can 
actually achieve my goals, it, it changes a lot of the, the busyness. You're like, does this help me get my goal? No. All right. That's totally. actually not creating space for that right now in my schedule. We talked about yeah. this weeks ago about how you're like, man, I've got all these courses that I'm wanting to film, but you hadn't been putting the, the space to, to actually figure out how you wanted to put it together. Right. So I actually want to follow up with you now. Tell me a little bit about how that's been, uh, been going for you to be able to create space uh, to create these and document these courses that you're, you're putting together. Yeah, for sure. So we can kind of tie everything together, come full circle of what we'd already discussed um, and say, I've had to say no, <laughs> and I've had to crowd out some of, of the aspects of my life or the, um, the busyness parts of my day in order to create that space. And in knowing that I need to find and create that space, um, I've had to really take a hard look at, all right, what is, what is filling up all my time? Right. And if I'm going to create more time out of the time that's already being used, that means something's got to go. It's got to shift. It's got to be delegated, et cetera. So that's been a big part of my 2024, um, thus far has been delegating what can be delegated. That's new for me. Um, I've been a solopreneur for a long time and <laughs> getting some people to help me is not necessarily my, my strong suit or my forte, but, um, that has been one. And then the other has just been getting really clear on, on what the vision is for where I'm going. Um, and all that is to say, and all that has kind of culminated into me having to say no to certain things. So I've stopped taking one-to-one -one clients. Um, and that's always difficult because, you know, you spend so much time as a, as a business owner and wanting to get more clients and more, more sales. And all of a sudden you got to say, all right, I'm going to say no to this for temporary, you know, dis-ease, if you will, right? Like it's, it's uncomfortable for a little bit of time um, in order to, to grow and, and go beyond where I've been in, in the next phase. I, I think there's so much wisdom in that because sometimes we get complacent. It's really easy to be like, well, I'm not as efficient with this part of my schedule or this part of my day or my routine. And you start to fill your day with things that don't actually serve you. And totally. You start to dig out those things that, that aren't serving us and our goals. And we, we really make the space in the right place like you're saying for the things we do want, eventually you're creating momentum. So right. one of the things I've been working on with, with Gunther, so just for the audience is I've been very conscientious of my, my diet and taking in protein. And I mean, not to get super personal, I've been very intentional with what I'm eating and it's, it's interesting. The, the aha moments that, that come when you're like thinking that you're eating healthy and then you look at the actual numbers, you're like, awesome. I, I, yeah. I made a mistake there. The, one yeah. of those was with bacon. I was like, oh, I'm having protein. And then I looking at the actual numbers, I was like, I mean, I'm getting meat, but that is not a good protein source. And it's right. so funny. The, the things that often we, we tell ourselves that until you look at the data, until you look at the, the actual uh, numbers, you you don't see it for what it actually is. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk to us about, about this idea of creating the right space in, in business, maybe even in more general so that we can say, hey, we're applying this to more people that are entrepreneurs. How can they use this idea of creating space in the right place? Well, I think I want to touch on what you just said um, okay. to expand on that. No, I'll, I'll, I'll say exactly what you're asking, but um, 
it's a good place to kind of reference. You had to get objective with this idea of you, it, it all comes together with, with objectivity, right? It's it's proactivity and it's objectivity. When I say it all comes together, what I'm referring to is you're on this mission to to clean up your diet, right? Overarching, you're you're getting better, you're eating healthier, you're losing weight, you're you're going somewhere, and it's not enough to just say, "Well, I'm going to focus on eating as much of the good stuff as I can," because you're not object you're not objective about what is good stuff and what is the amount, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so taking that and applying it to where am I going? How can I objectively say I'm getting closer or I'm not, right? Am I going forward or am I going backward? That's what really allows you to hone in and see where it's not so easy to see um, the space you need, right? So like, what is the space that you need created? Where is it that you need that? Um, so in business, I think it's the same principle applies, right? You've got to get objective about where am I going? What am I actually trying to achieve? What's the end goal here? And does this thing that I'm looking at that's taking up some, sp some space, that's taking up some time, actually get me to go further, right? I forget who said this, but I wrote in college and, and there's like a common quote that people use in business about like, does it make the, go the boat go faster? Have you heard this before? Uh, let's hear it. Well, it's just like, Okay, that's a great idea, but does it make the boat go faster? Because all we're trying to do is get the boat to go faster, right? In rowing. So you take that simple statement and look at where you're going in business, for example, and say, well, does this get me closer to my goal? Does this make the, the boat go faster? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't really, then leave it alone, right? That's not the space we're looking for. Um, and you can kind of apply that and just kind of see where where you need to make adjustments and let go of things. And that's hard. That's hard to do without objectivity. So I guess what I'm trying to say is in tying it to your newfound relationship with food, it's everything is emotional, whether we want to admit it or not, right? For some people more than, than others. And it's near impossible to kind of just use willpower to push against that emotional side of things. I find in my own life and in all the work I've done for years and years with clients that it's almost impossible to mess up when you're objective, right? It just shifts and you get, everybody has a logical side that is able to see like, okay, very clearly I've got data here. I've got a yes check in this box. I've got a no check in this box. And that switch becomes the, the logical aspect of that shift overpowers the emotional friction that is needed to make the shift. You know, that reminded me of some of my training as an actor, the, the way you really come down to the, the core root of what a character is, is their wants and their super objective. Mm -hmm. Literally the super objective is what do I want to accomplish over the arch of my entire, uh, life, like that entire right. flight. And as soon as you figure out what they actually want, then all of those little beats, all the little moments building up towards that are either helping them get closer or farther away. And sometimes yeah, yeah. there are setbacks. There's setbacks in every every life, right? Every single time we, we have something that we might take two steps forward and we have one step back. But that objectivity saying, am I getting closer to my goal? All right, I fell. Great. Now what? Am I going to stay yeah. down? Am I going to, I mean, you, you have this saying, you're like, oh, just, don't hit that, oh, screw it moment or the F it moment, right? Yeah. It's, it's about being 
willing to say, hey, I did fall down. Now what am I going to do about it? Okay, I'm going to do better tomorrow. I'm going to do better this next meal instead right. of totally giving up. It's that want, that desire that is rooted inside you and you see it not just objectively, but you see the objective all the way through. And that's yes. the objective we're talking about. So uh, this this next concept, unless there's anything else you want to add on that, uh, I think is also really helpful. And we can kind of tie these together. Is there any other sure. thing to add to that? Well, we could expound on that forever. Oh, I mean, there's so much to that, right? Oh, it's it's so important to, yeah, we don't have to, but um, I could. <laughs> well, let, let's go on this next part. And then if if it comes back, no problem. Uh, the next part of this crowd method that we're talking about is reframe. Oh, reframe. There we go. There we are. So reframe. Now, when we're talking about reframing, this is not just about the good and the bad in our life. It's about all the different elements of our business. It's about the different ways that we experience life and creating that space, like we, we said, in good places. Reframing is so, so important. So let's talk about this idea of reframing in the context of health first and then in business. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So perfect. I'm glad we didn't ramble on on the previous because this is exactly what we want to get into anyway. Right. So reframing, like you said, you fall down and that's a perfect opportunity. That is where we reframe, right? Is I find if we, if we continue on with this example of, of uh, getting somewhere, improving your, your nutrition, right. Mm -hmm. The effort point is when people just get to this, like, this is too hard. I mess up time and time again, I'm done. Right. But that's a perfect opportunity to reframe and to utilize. Um, you said it was a super objective. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The super objective is like anything else. It's the, it's the guiding light. It's the guiding principle. It's where you want to go. Right. Um, the super objective of the boat analogy is you want to win the race. Does it make the boat go faster? Right. And it's in, it's inevitable always that you're going to fall down. Right. You're going to have a, uh, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have experiences that didn't make the go the boat go faster, uh, right? Um, and it's not about it. It's very easy again emotionally to just fall into like, okay, this isn't working. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't for me, or this isn't going to work. And it's a perfect opportunity to reframe and to look back at that guiding light, to look at the super objective, and say, okay, I have now objectively seen, right? I've collected data on I fall down or I make this mistake or I mess up here, 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 and here. And instead of using that as evidence to, to say, I'm not good enough, or I can't do this, or I got to stop, you look one step ahead or one step previous to where you fell down and ask, why do I keep falling down, right? What is getting in the way? And how do I actually make this easier? How do I reduce friction or, or reframe this so that I don't consistently fall down, right? How do I work this into the formula, if you will? Um, yeah, let me stop there and, and no, <laughs> you I, go. I love that. Um, one of the things that that it popped into my head was uh, this idea of of rules and borders. Sometimes mm -hmm. we were a little too broad and we don't actually put the restrictions on ourselves because we're like, oh, I'm definitely going to fall and I'm going to fail if I if I have these these guidelines. But it's the very fact that you have those guidelines that you can rec register, register objectively whether or not you're hitting that or not. If yeah. we don't have 
the numbers, if we don't actually say, hey, here's what I'm going for. Oh, I missed it here, but I did hit it here. Oh, I missed it here, but I did hit it here. It's really hard to make those little adjustments. And yeah. the reframe with this, I think that's that's so helpful with health and business is it's it's coming down to the pinch and the ouch. So in, in theater and in business, sometimes there is uh, something that that falls and you're like, man, that was that was a really bad thing that happened in my business. And we can step back and look at it and be like, all right, where was the pinch? What was the, the thing that initiated the action? And then here's the ouch. All right, what was the trigger that brought that on? And if we can slightly shift so that that trigger doesn't happen, then the pinch doesn't happen. And now the ouch doesn't happen. Right. That backwards plan. And that's part of this idea of reframing. And it looks a little different in every business. It looks a little different in everybody's life. But all of us can step back away from our life and say, did this happen just to me or did this happen for me? Is it a lesson that I'm going to, to learn only once and do something different? Or am I going to have to hear this multiple times? Like I think it was Oprah Winfrey that, that said like life teaches us these lessons. And if they first come in, you know, in the, in the form of a slap and maybe it's like a punch and then it's like a car hits you and then a train and you're like, if you don't learn the lesson, life's going to keep handing you the same mistakes over and over. Right. But when we step back and reframe, we have the opportunity to make those shifts. So tell us a little bit more. How do you apply this in your business yourself? This idea of reframing. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I learned a really, really profound and simple, and I think that's why it's profound concept from a friend of mine named George Bryant, who some of you may know, an amazing guy, uh, marketing guru. He talks about the floor and the ceiling. And so we're literally looking at a frame of, you know, what's the, what's the minimum, what's the minimum viable dose that I need to be going towards the direction of my desire and what's kind of like the maximum that I really want and understanding that anything the maximum is the limit, right? It's like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Best case scenario. And we all tend to go towards the maximum at first. But you're not going to be able to operate in your maximums all the time. And if, you're, if your focus and your perspective is, I should be hitting these maximums, and you're setting yourself up for a lot of frustration, a lot of, I'm not doing the thing that I should be doing, right? You're setting the should too high. It, the art of this is in setting the should as low as possible so that you can build momentum. And the reframing as far as growth goes is one in starting really, really, really broad. The floor is really low. The ceiling is, or actually I should just say really low, right? So it's starting with, I know for sure I can do this. Like this is laughably easy. And I'm, and I'm sure that I could do this, but this would be when all things are going well, right? So floor being, I can do this for sure. Ceiling being, this is when things are going well. And just sort of adjusting that up as you build momentum, right? The floor becomes higher, the ceiling becomes higher and you grow, you grow with it. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's just a call for reframe anytime you find that objectively your floor and ceiling are actually, you did a poor job in, in kind of... Uh, <laughs> in setting up your floor and ceiling, right? You're seeing that, okay, actually I'm not even getting my floor. So I need to lower this thing so I can be inside of the frame that I've decided on. That's, I think the most difficult part about us leading our own boats, if you will, or, or 
being our own guiding lights. We always want to create a frame of excellence. And the trick is creating a, a frame of realism <laughs> and then moving it towards excellence. I think that's so, so key. So one of the things that popped into my head was this idea that when you're reframing, you, you have to start where you're at, not where you want to be. Right. Because if we start where, where we're at, we can start to expand and then it, it matches and it starts building upon its, it, uh, upon itself from momentum. Whereas if we yeah. start up here, you can't even hit the minimum most of the time. It starts to create a negative downward spiral and you might even totally. get worse. Like you, Absolutely. You, like, I've seen this in people, not, not just my, myself, I've seen other people where they start so high, they put their standards so high that after three or four days, they're like, I can't, I can't do this. And then oh, F it. And they get worse. And a year later, instead of being 20 pounds lighter, they're a hundred pounds more. Totally. Further down. And yeah. it's, it's so sad to see, but that's the power of this reframing mentality. Have you ever had a client where you noticed this and because you were able to, to kind of set that bar more realistic for them, they were able to start building momentum? A thousand percent. So many clients. Yes. Uh, for example, I worked with a guy a few years ago who I still work with. Great client of mine. He had tried everything from keto diet to paleo to, uh, if you're not familiar with these, basically just extreme versions of dieting, right? Keto is like zero carbohydrates. So your body actually shifts, shifts into a different um, uh, energy system. You burn fat for fuel. And so in theory, it's it's amazing. But if you look at it from a cultural standpoint, don't eat a single carb is kind of hard to do, <laughs> right? There are people who do it, they do it, and it's it, that's their, you know, that's easy for them. It becomes momentous enough that it's it's no problem. It's their lifestyle. But what he had experienced was essentially setting this bar very high, right? I'm going to do this perfect thing. I'm going to be perfect. And that got him some very quick results. He lost like 30 pounds doing this for a short amount of time. But then he was done because he like checked the box and he did the thing, right? Yeah. And so it it kicked him back into what he was doing previous to that. And it actually kicked him hard back because he thought, oh man, that was really difficult. I didn't like this whole process and I'm done with it. So now I'm going to actually retreat further into the things that were, were creating the issues in the first place. And he gained like, a, I think he gained 50 or 60 pounds back, right? So he had gained a net 20 pounds or, or 30 even from the 30 he had lost. So really in the long run, it was a disservice to himself, right? It was worse. So what I did with him was actually set the bar to where he was. He was, you know, probably 50, 60. I don't know where he was. He's probably 60 pounds overweight, whatever that means. He was, he was a heavier guy. And I essentially taught him about macros and calories. And in order to lose weight, he had to eat something like 3000 calories a day, which is a lot of calories for, for most people. And he was losing weight. Right. And it's because I met him where he needed to be met. And then we slowly started to shift it down. And that whole process was sustainable and enjoyable because it was the appropriate floor and the ceiling. It wasn't this, I want to be shredded and 10% body fat. So I'm going to do the things that a shredded and 10% body fat person is doing. Instead, it was I want to lose 50 pounds. Okay. Really? You want to lose one pound 50 times. Let's do it that way. Let's build momentum and create this lifestyle, create this habit for you. 
And here we are four years later or whatever it's been since I've been working with him. And that's exactly what happened. He's lost 60, 50, 60 pounds and kept it off. And that's the major difference. I think it's not a program. It's, it's reprogramming your whole self. Totally. Doing it a little bit at a time so that it's not something that you're doing. It's who you become. It's, it's that idea of these aren't somebody else's rules. I choose to eat this because that's going to help me reach my goals. You're using it as right. fuel. You're building that momentum. So I, I love that. So thank you. Uh, th this next idea is something that I think people often think the wrong way about, and we're going to hopefully uh, shift it just a little bit. It's this idea of how we optimize. Just because you're wanting to optimize doesn't mean you are reaching perfection from day one. So we are going to play with this idea of how we optimize our health, our wellness, our business, and systemize it, but make it manageable so that we're actually making the very best progress that we can in a realistic way. So let's talk about optimizing. When you hear that word optimizing, what comes to mind? And then what are some of those experiences that you 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 feel like you need to share? Because it's this is a great topic. Sure. I, I think this all just flows one into the next so perfectly. Um, uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me and probably for many others when you hear optimize is like this holy grail of perfection, right? Like let's squeeze the most juice possible out of this thing. And again, to tie it back to what we just said, it, there's an art to optimization. And really it, it should be thought of in this, I need to be better than where I am now. And that in and of itself is optimization, right? How do I look at this whole picture, take all the parts of it, the good, the bad, right? The thing that we're, we're utilizing the, um, the analysis of not only where I'm making progress, but also where I keep finding myself tripping up or falling down or going backwards. Mm -hmm. And then I'm creating a full picture um, analysis of the situation to improve that just piece by piece. That to me is true optimization because again, it has to be sustainable. If you implement some new software that completely overhauls, or if you implement a strategy for your own health and fitness, that is, you know, this is what the Olympians do. It's not optimization, right? It's, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, so I think the short answer to that is, I think many people here optimize and it's just like, oh, perfection. Everything is seamless and perfect. And that actually limits you from optimizing anything. You get you get so far out of your frame, it's not going to work for you. I I I love that. When when I think of optimization, it it goes exactly on those lines that where we're at, and we're comparing we're comparing ourselves to ourselves yesterday. Yeah, one percent better. Maybe that's taking away something. Maybe that's adding something. But it's not adding fifty things. It's not taking away right. fifty because that's not sustainable and it's yeah. something that's realistic. And sometimes you, you hear people say, Oh, I cut X, Y, Z cold Turkey. And I did, I no longer do that. Okay. Some people can do that very, very real, like realistically for a time. But what if you, you gradually work through all of those different challenges and you, you take the, the bad habits and turn them into good habits by 
making space for the right things and putting in the right things that you want. I think right. that's kind of the way that we started talking about health and wellness was because I was like, I, I haven't been taking my, uh, my macros down and we're like, well, we're just going to start with that. Where are you? Cause you can't really know where you're going if you don't know where you're at. And I realized I was eating like, you know, three, four, probably three to 3,500 calories every single day. That's just where we were at the very beginning and set that bar. So we knew where we're at. And then we started adding some smaller goals that were manageable. Yeah. That is so much more doable for people than, than trying to mimic a men's, uh, you know, one of those men's magazines, like, Oh, just, just hit, you know, a hundred pushups a day. It's easy. Just a hundred pushups. What if I can only do five? You're going to spend 15 hours doing pushups because you can only do one or two an hour and you get burned out. Like, Tell us a little bit about um, what optimization looks like at your level in comparison to where you were maybe five or six years ago. Cause I'm sure those are drastically different, but yeah, still you're comparing yourself to yourself. So, go ahead. In what, in what realm of life? Let's, because let's <laughs> about, uh, in business first, because that that's really most of our audience. We're, we're like trying to figure out how to optimize in business. And sometimes we we want this total overhaul, but we we don't need to do the total overhaul because we'll ruin the business. What totally. is, working, is working? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I think that's that's exactly what you just said is exactly right. It's you know an overhaul. We might want to end up in in a place of complete um, newness. We want a, a completely different environment, uh, income stream, like a whole new world for, for business. But you've been, you've, you've likely built up a business that works in some way, shape or form, right? You're, where you are, something has been working, some things haven't been working. And just like what I had said about making sure you meet yourself where you are in that frame, you can use this grand desire, this overarching guiding light, the the, the uh, super objective, <laughs> trying to tie back to your term there. Um, you can use that to say, this is where I'm going, right? But if you were to be honest, hooray balloons, if you were to be honest about, oh. about what that is and where you are, there's a gap. And if, if there's a large gap, if they look completely different, that's okay. But there will always be a path from where you are to where you're going. And you have to respect the path. You can't just think that teleportation is possible because you're going to be totally messed up, right? Um, so I'm, I'm not doing the, the best job of explaining this. Forgive the uh, the sick brain over here. <laughs> I, I think you're exactly on the right, right path here, though. Optimization, sometimes we think of it as our 10, 15-year goal, but we can optimize even today. How do we make our system a little less broken? A little yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. It can literally be that simple. Like, for instance, last it week- It is that simple, uh, right? That is that is how it's created. Yeah, last week we were talking about my water intake. And I was like, well, I'm consistently hitting the 64 ounces. And you're like, dude, you need to like, we need to do a little better on that. I was like, okay, what what can I do? And I, I upped it to 70 as my floor. And I've been hitting that consistently. Nice. It's, it's just minor things- 
but minor things over time will eventually become great things. Yeah. And the more we, we expand on those, those line upon line, precept upon precept type of principles, uh, we can gain some serious momentum. Yeah. So this is something that I, I think ties into not just what we're talking about, but overarching idea of your practice. And I love this saying uh, that you taught me. And I, I think uh, it's something that other people will resonate with work smarter to go harder, not smarter so that you don't have to go hard, but work smarter to go harder because really as an athlete, as someone in business, if we don't work smart, that will often hinder our progress and stop us in some respects. So we can't go as hard, but this idea of work smarter so you can go harder. I love it. And tell us a little bit about the background of this, uh, this expression for you and why it resonates so much with what, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm especially in the realm of fitness. I'm in love with hard work, <laughs> right? Like I, I want to grind harder in my workouts because it's, it's a great feeling one and it's going to get me further along my journey and closer to where I want to be. Right. And so I've never really loved the term work smarter, not harder. And I sort of tweaked it and I said, you know what? I want to work smart so that I can go as hard as I possibly can. And it's short-sighted to think how many people think that I'm just going to go as hard as I can, right? I'm all, I'm all amped up on, on excitement and motivation, and I'm just going to go as hard as I can. And what ends up happening is for lack of a better term, you burn out, right? You, you hit the gym really hard one day. It doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take much for you to get super sore and then think, man, I got to wait a long time to do this again. Right. And so if you can be smart about setting up the parameters for this is where I go as hard as I can, this is my limit on what that means. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a bunch of energy one day and do squats all day long. It's very simple in fitness. There's recipe for success. Right. And it's difficult when it is applied to something like business because there isn't really this clear cut line or this recipe for success of continuation. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that is I could say I want to work on my legs. And if I was just going based off feel, I could probably do leg stuff all day long, but tomorrow and the next day I'm in big trouble, right? Yeah. There are guidelines. You're going to do three sets of this. You're going to do four sets of this. You're going to do two sets of that. And like, that's it. You're done. And within that structure, you can go as hard as you want, but that's it. Nobody is there to tell you how to do that in business. <laughs> Nobody's saying, hey, you can work on your, your, your website design for two hours and go as hard as you want, but you have to stop. Instead, we go, I got to work on this website. So I wake up at 5 a.m. and I start working on the website. And then I forget to eat breakfast and it's already lunchtime. And then, oh my gosh, it's midnight. I can still work on this. So I'm still going, right? That's the burnout. That's the recipe for disaster, I think. Um, and so being smart about where I'm going and how much I can dose it in each day in order to sustain continuing doing this, in the, in the long run, you're going to be able to go harder inside of the, the bouts of work that you have because you've set up this smart parameter around 
realistically, this is how much energy I have. This is how I will feel tomorrow. This is how I will feel next week. And just continuing on with that. I love this. This is, I needed to hear this, but I think other yeah. people need to hear this too. Sometimes we get tunnel vision and I almost put blinders on saying in business, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm only going to do this until I figure it out. Yeah. And I've noticed this in myself often. I'll, I'll go and I'll spend two or three hours on a project. And I was like, I, I have hit a wall and it was like an hour ago, but I kept pushing through. Sometimes it's better to literally set that aside and come back to it the next day. Yeah. And often we, we find that we, we do too much in one area and not enough in, in another. And that's because we didn't set the parameters. We didn't set the standards. We didn't set the minimums and that framework. So tell us in business, what are some of the things you've done to, to recognize here's my standard, here's my minimum, here's or my floor and my ceiling so that each element of your business can start to grow, but you don't overdo it on one side and you don't underdo it on another. Yeah, this process is ever-changing ever evolving for me, right? It's It always comes back to the smart side of this, the working smarter is in reflection, is in honestly assessing where you are and what you've been doing and looking at how to make that, um, how to create the right structure so that you can continue on with it. So for my own, for my own business, um, I'm not someone who can sit and, and program for all of my clients for an entire three days in a row, right? It, it'll just drive me nuts and I won't want to program anything else for a long time. And that's what ends up happening is, is I'll, I'll leave this work and I'll get to it and I'll get after it and I'll be kind of in the momentum of, all right, I just did program after program after program. But then the following day or the following three days, four days, week even, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't even want to open this thing this, this platform to start doing this work. Right. And so as a simple example, I will have to proactively set in my calendar. These are the small portions of time that I am allowing myself to work on this. And then I give myself intentional breaks so that I'm not just like sick of it and don't want to do it and won't do it. Right. And the beauty of that is also when, when we kind of create a little bit of realistic constraint on our time, that's when things go harder right? Mm -hmm. If I give, I used to give myself just or because of it's like, you know, in a, when you set up time in a calendar, it's like, oh yeah, one hour, right? It's always like one hour blocks. So I used to say, okay, one hour for this thing. And it wasn't until I started to, to be forced to squeeze my time and say, what can I do in 30 minutes? And I didn't have this demand of, I've got to finish this stuff. I just, what can I get done in 30 minutes? All of a sudden the operating shifts, like in your head, you start to think, you don't think about it and you start to just go. And I found that I go way harder because I've kind of squeezed that a little bit more and then boom, I'm done. And I think it's just, I, I, I use that from fitness. If somebody says you've got five rounds of X, Y, Z workout, you might lollygag and hate the whole experience of going through, oh my God, I have another round, I have another round, I have another round. If you shift that into a 10 minute AMRAP, which is as many reps or rounds as possible in 10 minutes, you've got the same exercises and it's just go through them as many times as possible in five, in 10 minutes. Let's go like as fast as you can. Well, now you're anchored towards like, well, I just have 10 minutes. I'm just going to do as much as I possibly can. Right. 
and you end up getting done a ton more and you feel really great about it because it's over. Mm -hmm. um, so I've used that in my business as well. And that's kind of what I was explaining is I've squeezed the time down to say, get done as much as you can in 30 minutes. Don't worry about it being, oh, I have an hour to do this whole design. And I find that it actually makes me more effective, more efficient, and then allows me to be, okay, great. It was only 30 minutes. I'm done. I can, you know, I can do this again tomorrow. That is, that is wisdom right there. Thank you so much. I, yeah, absolutely. I think if we compress our timelines, you, you took what you were doing over eight hours and you did it in four hours, literally just by saying, Hey, I, I'm going to put this time restraint on me. What if that's all you did and you were able to take a day's worth of work and do it in four hours, totally shifts what you're able to accomplish. Do you say absolutely I love that. That's huge. Now, there is a catch to this, though, because what you can also find yourself in is the situation where you try to compress your time and then you build negative momentum because you're not getting done as much as you thought you could. Yeah. Right. And so, again, you need reframe. You need all these things together. You need to reframe. You need to honestly assess. You need to come back and and understand that. OK, great. I didn't this. This was setting the bar too high, if you will. Right. It's it's a trap if you think, OK, I can get all eight hours into four just because I forced that squeeze. Mm -hmm. The intention of the squeeze is yes, that if that's the case, but it's also so that tomorrow I can do another four hours and not feel the same. I don't want to do this and not show up, right? It's about showing up consistently. And for me, that is a kind of appreciating and respecting the fact that I do have a limit. I do have my effort point. Everybody does. And if I get to that point, then I'm going to be working with so much more friction against, you know, what I want to be doing the next time I have, I have to show up, which inevitably means that I'm going to, it's going to be easier for me to say, I don't want to do it. And then I'm, then it's worse. Right. Yeah. And what's crazy is with, with negative momentum, it's so much easier to slide down a hill than it is to climb that hill. So here's an example. When I was on my mission in Taiwan, we had this place in my very first area called Ufong, about a, a mile and a half switchback trail up to the top of this little mountain. There's beautiful vistas there. And you have all these little uh, pineapple orchards up at the top there. On the back end of it is a trail that's probably five or six car lengths wide. So you can zip down that trail crazy fast takes like an hour, hour and a half to get all the way to the top if you're if you're consistently moving forward and you don't stop pedaling really, just doing all these switchbacks. It takes like three minutes or less to get from the top of the mountain all the way to the bottom because of how wide this road is. And you think about how fast it is to, to go in that negative downward spiral. It's just like that that mountain. If If we let go of the brakes and we just hold on, eventually we're at the bottom of the mountain. Right. Just like the energy and effort it takes to to do that switch back that feels like it's not making that much progress, right? You're almost flat, but you're going up a slight incline. That's what it feels like in your health and in your business as you're climbing that mountain. But if we don't really keep pedaling, we don't keep that mindset of I'm going to not stop uh, just because it doesn't look like I'm making a ton of progress right now. Uh, and and let that that effort moment come and we just go downhill. We can make some serious progress quite quickly. 
And yeah. I think it's huge. So thank you so much for sharing that idea. Any other uh, things you want to bring up or stories that popped into your head while I was sharing about that bike example? No, that's a great example. Oh, okay. you're, you're absolutely right. Awesome. Okay. Now this last point, guys, this was really going to tie it all together. And the, one of the other reasons why I felt like it was so important for us to share this, let me bring this up. This is discipline your desires. Discipline, even though it it feels like something that uh, is is hard in the moment, discipline is is the key to all of all of this. It's not about willpower. It's not about forcing it to happen. It's about disciplining those desires. So let's talk a little bit about discipline and about how our desires are are so so tied to this discipline. Uh, go ahead. What what comes to mind when you hear that? Discipline your desires. Yeah, I think this is a great way to kind of round this entire thing out. Um, when we look at the word discipline, it typically, I I think at least for myself, I don't know if, if many others can resonate with this, but discipline feels like such a strong armed ceiling of the floor ceiling type word, right? It's the it's, it's the, it's in that same realm of like the initial motivation, this rah, rah, I have all the power, I can do this. And it's kind of a daunting word as well. It's like a, I have to do this. This is, this is tough. And it sort of fits in that same category of the effort point for me. It's, it's a little too much. It's a little too aggressive. And so I have found that it doesn't, it doesn't, behoove me to think discipline, discipline, discipline. And that's maybe because I don't have the greatest relationship with discipline. And I just don't feel like, you know, <laughs> I've built that muscle and some other people love it. So that's cool. But I like to, I like to marry it with desire because it helps to anchor the points of discipline that you need in order to get what you want. So I'm going to butcher this because I don't really know it. Well, I've heard it a few times, but there's apparently two types of fun. There's like first degree fun and second degree fun, I believe. I don't know. Um, from what I remember, one is like in the moment fun and one is fun because of the thing you did and thereafter you you get this reward. So fitness is very much like a type two desire or or fun. It's not super fun in the moment. You know, you're going through your pain, you're going through a grind, but afterwards you feel amazing. An ice bath would be a great example of type two, right? It's a horrible experience getting into a nice bath. I don't know if you've ever done this, Brigham, but <laughs> it's terrible. Everything about you is like, I'm not stepping into that thing. And getting into it is awful. It's painful. You want every, you, every fiber of your being wants to get out as soon as you touch it. But once you're finished, the, the state of accomplishment and euphoria that you have exiting that bath, I mean, that's fun. That feels great. And so... Discipline is sort of that type two. It's it's crappy in the moment. You don't want to do it. It's going against, you know, what you want. And so remembering that desire is actually, your desires are actually what's forcing you into this thing that you have to have discipline in, right? Um, and so when it, I think you said discipline your desires, right? Mm -hmm. Again, it's that guiding light. It's that through line. It's the super objective that's your desire. How do I create discipline in order to achieve that desire? What, what do I need to kind of rein in 
And just remembering that it is a part of your desire really helps to understand like, oh, cool. Like I'm doing this thing because I want to, not because I have to. <laughs> it's a part of my desire. Um, it's just a, it's a part of it. I have to go through these disciplines to achieve this desire. I love that. And this makes me think of this very simple idea that we can either have choices that are easy to hard or hard to easy. Right. Discipline. A lot of times it's very challenging in the moment, but it makes your life easier in the, on the back end. Whereas it may be really easy to eat the cake right now, but you can have some hard hard things ha uh, happen later because now you have some consequences that come along with that. And yeah. often we we don't have the foresight to think all the way through the consequences, all the way through what is this discipline uh, going to help me develop into? And I I feel like a lot of that comes down to, are we celebrating the right things? Mm -hmm. uh, this is something that, that I've noticed as I've been more conscientious of my 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 eating and uh, and my diet is I'm actually celebrating when I hit that 150 protein market in a day. I was like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Because yeah, that used to be a that was definitely a ceiling for me three months ago when we started this. I was like, I I hadn't done that in probably I don't know years. <laughs> so yeah. changing the the things that that you get excited about and the things you celebrate it can be tied back to the the discipline of what your actual desire is. My, my desire is to actually have a, you know, a limber body one that I can go and play pickleball at a professional level, really have uh, that agility to, to move and be able to run, not be weary and then walk and not faint. Like this whole idea of having overarching health and wellness for my business and for myself. And they're all intrinsically tied together and your your idea of disciplining your your desires that's doing something hard because you chose to so that you can have those those easier experiences while you're in the middle of that sport or while you're uh, doing those those activities that you actually wanted so i know that you are are really great at competing you you're you're a physical specimen right <laughs> uh when when you first started creating this desire to help other people to grow your business what are some of the 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 final tips and tricks or the final pieces of advice that you would give to to wrap this whole thing up yeah um no good comes from shame <laughs> everything that we've talked about i think is is it comes back to honestly assessing where you are and where you want to go and the honest assessment of where you are really does need to be an accepted, honest assessment, right? It has to be something where you're like, I truly understand that this is where I am, no matter the gap between where it is you are and where you want to go. Because like you said earlier, you go somewhere and you need to know where you're starting to go there, right? Um, if you put in your, your GPS, I stole this from, I think, George as well. But if you put in your GPS, like, I want to go to Arizona, you don't get directions unless you put in where are you starting, right? And it doesn't matter how far away you're starting. You have to accept that, that that's the starting place because the map or the, 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 yeah, the path to get to where you're going doesn't even exist unless you know where you are, right? And so I think that the only thing I want to really wrap and say is you've got to fully accept and it can't be a place of shame. It can't be a place of rejection. 
It can't be, oh my God, I hate where I am. So I've got to, you know, I'm just going to pretend like I'm not there. And then you can use all the other parts of crowd to, to manage your way there and, and enjoy the process. I love it. Thank you so much for, for not just sharing your experience, but giving us some actionable tools, some tips that literally anybody can use these in, in a business context, in your health. And I, I just think you, you over-delivered today. So thank you so much, Gunther, for being my friend Sweet. And, uh, and honestly, just being who you are, keep, keep living your life out loud. I appreciate you and sharing these patterns of progress. So important guys. Uh, so like, and subscribe, this uh, resonates with you and Gunther, where do we find you online so that my, my audience can, can come and continue to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think Instagram is the best place. It's just at Gunther Klaus. Um, it's linked to my Facebook, but I'm not on there as often. <laughs> my name on Facebook, just Gunther Klaus. Yeah. And Brigham, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week.